Happy Easter Riverside. I'm so thankful that you are there. How good it is to wake up on Easter morning. It is the greatest day of the church's entire year. Now this is, of course, an Easter morning like no other. And even if you're watching it yourself, I hope you know that you are not alone, that you are joined by brothers and sisters near and far, even across the world, who are together in celebration today. We're going to read from the Gospel of John, the story of Easter in John's Gospel. But first, I invite us to pray together. We turn to you, wondrous painter of the sunrise, teller of the deep stories of our origins, mover of the boulder of despair. Open our eyes and our hearts to the new thing you are creating out of chaos, that we may be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a reading from the 20th chapter of John. Listen for God's word. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She was breathless as she said, they take they have taken the master from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran as fast as they could, neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Then, stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there. But he didn't go in. Simon Peter came in after him and did go in and observed the linen clothes and the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying where the linen clothes were, but separate and neatly folded. The other disciple, the one who had been there first, went into the tomb, looked at the evidence, and believed. But no one yet knew the scriptures, that he had to rise from the dead. So the disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping. As she wept, she knelt to look at the tomb and saw two angels sitting there, looking intently, dressed in white, one at the head, one at the foot, where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? They took my master, she said, and I don't know where they put him. After she said this, she turned away, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. She, thinking he was the gardener, said, Mister, if you took the body, tell me where you put him so I can care for him. Jesus said, Mary. Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. 
Go to my brothers and tell them, I ascend to my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went, telling the news to them. And she said, I saw the master. And she told them everything that Jesus had said to her. This is the word of the Lord. I imagine most of you are at home now. And if you're watching this in real time, maybe you've already had an exciting Easter egg hunt in your house or around your yard with your children. You've found and opened the chocolate Easter bunnies and the marshmallow eggs. I've always considered Halloween candy vastly superior to Easter candy, but nonetheless, it's an exciting time. Maybe you've prepared a special breakfast or bought a special treat to prepare for your Easter dinner. Now, I imagine you're gathered around a screen, sitting in comfortable chairs outside on the porch. Instead of here in Riverside's sanctuary. Of course, wherever you are is a church. It's a sanctuary for wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Christ. He is right there in your midst. And so as we celebrate resurrection this Easter day, we are together in our joy as we have been together in our suffering. We are the one body of Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one calling. We're gathered together here in virtual worship, we are told. We praise God and experience community virtually, not in person, not bodily. There's something about the connotation of that word virtual that I don't like. It means almost, but not really. I virtually made an A-plus on my test means I fell just short of an A-plus. I virtually finished the river run means I didn't finish it. Let me ask you something. If I gave you virtually all of the correct numbers of the Florida lottery, how much money would you have in your pocket? Exactly. Virtually means almost, but not completely. Not really. But there's nothing virtual about this morning. Nothing make-believe or made-up or unreal. COVID-19 reminds us of the reality of our mortality and our vulnerability and our interdependence in a way far more profound than even Ash Wednesday was able to do. And now... On this Easter morning, the story begins in the reality of darkness, disappointment, and grief. The kind of darkness 
the whole world seems to be in now. Mary Magdalene was among the women who were the last to leave the dead body of Jesus just before the Sabbath began. And now she's the first to risk going out to see where and how his body is disposed. She's been wrongly portrayed as a loose woman, a woman with low morals, her conscience racked by guilt, now trying to make amends and let Jesus turn her life around. But the reality is that Mary Magdalene is the model disciple in the Gospel of John. Here she just wants to give Jesus one last act of loyalty and love, trying to restore a little dignity to overcome the humiliation that he had experienced two days before. And by the way, what had he done that drove the others, the community, the religious leaders, the political leaders to such evil against him? What had he done? He had just welcomed outcasts, healed the sick, blessed people who were seen as failures. Even Pilate said he was innocent. But none of that really mattered. Pilate nor none of the others really understood that there was something so much larger going on here. So what does Mary see at the tomb? It's not a joyous sight. In fact, she's even more upset. She goes back to tell the two leaders of Jesus' group, Peter and John. And then we're given this almost humorous glimpse into the competitiveness and division in the early church. Peter and John racing to see who will get there first. Who's first among the eleven? Who's primary? Who wins? Who will have the most authority? They get to the tomb, they see pretty much the same thing Mary did, and they didn't understand it any better. John, it is said, saw and believed, but what did he see? What did he believe? And then Mary has this profound experience with the risen Jesus. Her pain has blinded her to who he is, has turned her inward as grief does, until he calls her by name, Mary, just like the good shepherd he is. And the sheep hear his voice, and it turns her around. And her eyes are opened to see Jesus. Well, to see the virtual Jesus. You see, he's not the same. You understand he's different now. I recall a teenager in a youth group long ago who was very carefree, seemed kind of shallow and uninterested in anything the church had to offer. She was happy-go-lucky, and even as a young woman, she didn't seem to take life very seriously. She had no real responsibilities weighing on her. She had life by the tail. 
Until one day, she was volunteering at a school and met two little children, two siblings who lived in foster care, who melted her heart. Eventually, she came to adopt these two children. Years later, I happened to run into this young woman, and she didn't look quite so carefree, not so young anymore. The responsibility of raising two children, coping with their emotional scars, their educational challenges, they had changed her. The costly love she had poured out onto her children had left its mark on her, not only in fatigue, but also in fulfillment, in purpose, in clarity of identity. She was now living for others, not for herself. You see, Jesus had called her by name, and her life was turned around. I think... I think this is what Jesus was getting at when he resisted Mary's and our impulse to make Christ the object of our private devotion, clinging to our need for comfort and security. The story urges us, don't make even resurrection into a static doctrine No, it is a way of looking at the world. It is a trajectory of living life by faith. I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God, says Jesus. And where I am, you also will be. And where you are, I will be. If the resurrection means anything, it must mean that Christ is now with us, beneath us, and above us, before us, and beside us, and in us. Jesus has been vindicated by the resurrection in his way of radical inclusiveness, borderlessness, nonviolence, and suffering love. So let us let go of the old Jesus, that religion that Jesus Jesus never intended to begin. Now hold on to each other. That is where you will find me. That is where I am living, he said. Hold on to each other in your uncertainty and your vulnerability. Hold on to each other in your despair and in your diversity. How will the world look when all of this is over? What will over even look like? Who will we be on the other side of this crucifixion? I don't know. I know we all have seen so many wonderful expressions of solidarity, so much depth of reflection on our way of life, so many creative ways of overcoming distance and separation with love. 
I have hope in God that God can perhaps turn things around, bring a turning to even the church. Good Friday, just a couple of days ago, was the first birthday of my youngest grandchild, Nolan. Peggy and I got up early and drove over to their house at 6.30 in the morning to decorate their front porch with balloons and leave gifts. And then we waited. We knew they would be waking up soon. And when they saw the balloons and the gifts on their front porch, they came out and we were there in the front yard, staying distant, but celebrating together. And then I saw a man walking toward us down the sidewalk. He seemed to be a homeless man. And as he was approaching, I just knew he was going to interrupt us and ruin the moment. And as he came to us and as I was about to say something that would invite him to leave, he reached into his pocket and he pulled out some paper money and he gave a warm greeting to my son and daughter-in-law and said, happy birthday to Nolan. And he gave this money to my son over the fence. And my twinge of shame was dwarfed by the gratitude for this stranger who had enlarged our party and shown me the truth of hope and community. You see, the joy of Easter comes right on out of the darkness. It is not almost real. Jesus lives in and among us. He's not the same, and nothing ever need be the same. So that nothing now can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.